This message was brought to you by Christian Service. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, depending on when you're listening to this. And welcome to the Fancy Files podcast. Boom, 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 boom. It is a podcast that is connected to Christian service. Therefore, it is a Christian service podcast. Ha, ha, ha. I am your host, Greg the Scott. And today, I have with me, around this table... An incredible group of co-hosts, panelists, who are going to help me today for your listening pleasure. First, I have with me the man that needs no introduction. But since you can't see him, which is a great disappointment because I can see him, his name, the Mighty Mick. Nick, how are you? I'm doing well. I didn't uh, think that my life would be, you know, the most constant thing in my life would be recording podcasts. Uh, but it is pretty pretty great. Uh, yes, sir. There's just not enough, you know, going around in a van solving mysteries. Yet. Yet. The problem with that is that you don't have a van. Yet. Yet. Is that in the works, though? No. Could it be? Uh, if the pickup doesn't work out. Okay, let's say, though, you could buy a van. What type of van would you buy? Um, well, not counting the, uh, white Bronco, uh, I would get a big, <laughs> white, uh, free candy type van. Like a safari. Do you think, though, it would be wise that you're even considering a white Bronco? Uh, yes. Do you want to get chased on the highway? Uh, in a white Bronco, yes. Okay, who would be with you, though? Uh, no one. By yourself? By myself. Uh, probably my brother, let's be real. Okay, that, yeah, but, that's uh, probably fair. Or my cousin, Ben. But apart from that, we're pretty good. Okay, so until you get a van or a white Bronco, yes. we're not going to be riding around solving mysteries. That's true, and because I won't be chased on the highway either. Because you're too busy recording podcasts. Exactly. The fair. one constant in my life. And digging out snow. Yes. Yes. Good. Okay. Also with me today as part of the co-host panelist team, we have one of Fancy Files' big listeners, a Fancy File light, Melanie. I wasn't sure if you were talking about me. Well, who else would I be talking I about? You were gonna say, I thought you were going to introduce Ezra first. No. I'm introducing you. Thank you. You're welcome. How are you? I'm doing fine. Good. Yeah. Are you excited to be here? I'm always excited to be here. On a scale of 1 to 10. 29. 
wow, you must really be holding it together. Because if I was at a 29, none of this equipment would still be here. I would have rolled over onto it. I glued myself to my seat. That explains it. Mm -hmm. That explains the like partial vibrations that I'm feeling. Like, oh, really? like you're like vibrating it's, around it was the tea the tea yeah so the tea did it yeah the tea did it for me okay the orange pico <laughs> what <laughs> cool all right and last but certainly not least we have as part of the co-host panelist team today who has been pretty much in every podcast with me so he has become like the number two, and he's also responsible for editing. So if you're thinking it's Robin, you're wrong. It is Rexy, the Rexosaurus Rex. Ezra, how are you? I'm uh, not bad. Yourself? I'm good. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. He always asks. Someone always asks. You've got a, a, a William Shatner vibe going on right now. Yeah, I'm the captain. That's fair. I would like to get into a Klingon cruiser, slingshot myself around the sun, and travel back to 1985, specifically San Francisco. Makes sense. I can, I can respect that. Would you be my Spock? Absolutely. Good. Would you, like, be Ninja Spock? Hmm. It's all about the bandana. Okay, so That's since right. you didn't pick up on that, Ezra can... Uh, not Ezra. Mick can be my Spock. No, I'm a Scotty all the way. That's true. You are missing a finger. Yes. And, and no one notices because you're always hiding it. Like no, no one has <laughs> noticed. And since we're recording at a separate time from where it, from when it's posted, it's very possible that currently I will be missing a finger. <laughs> because you got run over by the white Bronco. Yes, that I was currently buying. Right, mid January. Fair enough. All right, so that is the introduction part of the uh, Fancy File podcast. Um, well, as everyone knows, we've been going through a fantastic, amazing series. The greatest series. It's so great. Is it the greatest, though? Like, Of course it's great. I know it. You know it. Melanie knows it. When did Donald Trump show up? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Who let the Donald in here? Who let the Trump out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then we just lost half our listening audience. <laughs> He's in the podcast? All 14 of them. No. <laughs> they, we will not listen to this anymore. Got what was them. I saying? 14, 14 yes. The greatest right. podcast. I, I hope we have 14 listeners. That would be fantastic. Four of them, though, are sitting around the table. So guaranteed four listeners. Well, three. <laughs> I don't know. Does everyone listen to the podcasts? I listen don't to it when I'm editing. Answer that. Because if the answer is no, shame on all of y'all. Okay. So, and I want to shout out to my mom. Thank you, mom, for listening. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hey. Melody says hi. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, if anyone would like a special shout out, you can just write in the comments. Yo, shout me out. Yep. First comment, we'll get a shout out. Except Melanie, because she's in the podcast. Oh man. That's true. And we also started the like the shout out after Melanie joined in, so did Ben Ben wrote once. Alright, shout out to Ben. Yeah. I don't know if he listens though. He was actually the first commenter on our Whoa. entire channel. I thought it was me. Good for you, Ben. And do you know what his first comment was? I commented first. 
Exactly. He just wrote <laughs> first. Good on you, Ben. We should honestly make it our mission to get all of our mothers to listen to the podcasts. Good luck with that I'm one. I'm pretty sure my mom <laughs> listens to it. She never tells me anything about it, but she's always excited to hear that we're recording. So That's fair. What would be even more cool is if we can get all of our mothers in the same room to listen to the podcast together. What if all of our mothers come on the podcast? My mom is highly territorial. That would not work. Mother's Day podcast. That's what I was going to say. A Mother's, Mother's Day, Day podcast. podcast. That would be so sweet. What we can do is, without warning them, we'll randomly call one of them up on the phone and be like, Hey, uh, Mom. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you're on the Fancy File podcast. What do I have to say about that? Silence. Or we could have like... Um, we could get calls, like have people call in, but since no one else listens to the podcast besides our moms, it could be our moms calling in, you know? Technically, Robin did call in once. That's true. That's true. She did? Yeah, but you hung up. <laughs> oh, our only fair. caller. Well, I'm I'm like completely... It was coincidental, though. It wasn't, oh, it wasn't yeah. a call to that be on the cool. podcast. That would have been cool. That would have been really cool. I think... It was a grocery list. Oh, well, I thought it was a call like, <laughs> did you start the podcast yet? Is there still time for me to arrive? Um, uh, if we could have Loran Livingston uh, call in to this podcast, mm-hmm. that'd be cool. Shout out to Loran. Shout out to Loran. You don't know how much we appreciate your ministry. Thank you. And I'm sure if he could respond, he'd say you're welcome. So, Greg, what's on the schedule to talk about today? Okay, part two. Take two, I mean. We have been going through a series in Colossians chapter three. Talks about identity, talks about who we are in Christ, talks about victory, talks about how to live for God. I think it's important to do this because I know that a lot of Christians do struggle with identity and struggle with victory and unfortunately i think a lot of christians are at a place i'm not going to put a percentage on it because i don't know but there are christians out there that they do struggle and they could be and they're tired of it there's many reasons why this is the case so i can't nor would i want to try to give a list because the minute you start doing it somebody else is gonna be like you didn't say this you didn't say that. And you didn't say this. And it's like, I know. Because I don't know all the reasons I'm not God. It's fair. And no one here has the ability to read people's minds. Not yet. I'm working on that, though. You keep working on it. <laughs> so, but just because we don't know all the reasons doesn't mean that we can't say some of the reasons. Is that okay, Mr. Trumpet Talking Man? Yes. Thank you. I don't know who that is, but he shows up every once in a while to correct us. I think, personally, because obviously it's happened to me before, but there are Christians out there. Why are they struggling with these things? Christians struggle with reading the Bible. And since Christians struggle with reading the Bible or not reading it in context, they don't know what God has said about them, or they forget. Or maybe they did read through the Bible at one point in time. Maybe they read it through the Bible multiple times. But when you stop reading the Bible, it's easy to forget that information, especially when you're constantly bombarded with 
tons of nonsense. Uh, yes, I, I, yes, nonsense is, is for sure. I, I was trying to think of a word to throw in there, but it's not coming. To, I was gonna say stimuli, but I mean that makes sense. Yeah, no, but just like with what in the time we're living in today, we're constantly in front of screens, television. Is constant. We're constantly throwing the stuff thrown at us on our phones, social media, constantly stuff. We're living in a day and age where you can, because of like, say, Twitter, because of specifically Twitter, uh, but Facebook, anything in social media. I think Twitter could be the worst because Twitter is literally just people just putting their thoughts out there. You can know what the population thinks. Now, back in the day, yes, there was news, and then they would go and interview what people think, but that was a very small segment of the population. Now, you can know what anyone thinks. And in some cases, people who really probably shouldn't be sharing their thoughts on things are sharing their thoughts on things, and it's influencing people. So we're just constantly bombarded, not just by, say, what celebrities think, which we've already we've always known that, but we're also bombarded by what anybody can, can think on, on a subject or on a topic so especially now where it is unpopular to hold, not that it was ever really like super popular to have a biblical worldview, but there would have been a point in time in history where it would have been more acceptable. Now, not so much. So with this constant bombardment of social media, television, entertainment, things to distract us, Bible reading has dipped among those who call themselves Christians. So even if you were at one point reading the Bible consistently, I think a lot of Christians, even those who are serious, can admit because of the distractions we have, we don't read the Bible as much. The attacks on our minds haven't changed. What we deal with as people, that just didn't go away. Now it's even worse. And you don't have the word of God to help you go through it. Not that you don't have it as in it's not there, but you're not turning to it like you at one point used to do and it's actually kind of funny uh, when we talk about entertainment as a whole because the way christians entertain themselves nowadays is completely different than what um used to be done beforehand if you look at the puritans um all their entertainment we tend to think that they weren't pro entertainment that it was like cut it all out throw it you know into the fire but really their entertainment was they all went fishing and hunting and the you know these things that were very in tune with creation itself and we look at the contrast today right our entertainment is all things that are it's like taking enjoyment in the things that man has made instead of taking enjoyment in the things that god has made and i think that is definitely going to change how we see things and how we behave and react with the rest of the world. Really good. Yeah, good point. Does anyone else have anything they want to say on that? Yeah. I, I think also going on what you were saying with all the like inputs uh, from social media and the world, etc. I, I feel like a large part of it is also just the fact that social media isn't a complete one-to-one understanding of how somebody thinks it's a caricature of what they're thinking because if you take somebody's opinion that they they've put up on facebook and you you talk with them about it oftentimes 
if you stretch out what they're saying and you have a full dialogue regarding their thoughts, what they posted on Facebook is not unrelated to what they think, but it's a very situational, very... It's only one part, one dimension of what they think. It's not a full understanding of what they think. And definitely when they're posting about their lives, it's a very, very one-sided. Very rarely will people post about the negative things happening in their life. And if they do, it's usually uh, underhanded statements or very lacking in context. So when you're getting all this information and bombardment from social media, it's very caricaturized, it's very boiled down, it's also very one-dimensional. You don't have the full context to the person's thoughts, the full context to the situation going on regarding what they've posted, and it just distorts what you're receiving, so you don't have that same depth of understanding of the person as if you were sitting there talking with them one-on-one. Uh, and I feel like that's a, a large issue with what's going on with like the social media bombardment. And it not only applies to people's lives, but it also applies to what they're posting in regards to their religious beliefs. There are so many people, they'll post one-off verses, or they'll post one-off theological statements, but they don't elaborate on it. They don't give the context of the verses that they used. It's very, as I said before, one-sided, one-dimensional. You don't have a full understanding to what they're trying to get at without having a conversation with them about it. So I I 100% agree that um, social media is a really big problem when it comes to just like our lives and how it affects our, our religious devotional life. Yeah, good point, guys. Okay, Mick, I would actually like you to read, uh, because we didn't do it yet. I want you to read Colossians chapter 3, but only read verses 1, 2, and 3. Sure. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden in, with Christ in God. Thank you, Mick. Okay, uh, now last time we did the podcast, we went into Romans chapter 6, and we talked about how we need to reckon or believe that we are dead into Christ. I don't remember if I read from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Oh, multiple times. Okay, multiple times. Very good. I think there's a few people that haven't memorized. You want to quote that for me, Rexy? Absolutely. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we're reading these verses and you know, we're talking about our identity, who we are in Christ. And we see a few things that like Paul talks about that we've already gone a bit in depth uh, regarding. One, he's talking about how we're risen with Christ. Like th- These are all our position. What is our position? Who are we? One, we're risen with Christ. Uh, then he talks about how we're also dead with Christ. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. And so we're talking, and we've been looking at verses that talk about how we're dead to sin, we're dead in Christ. Now here's the thing. If we've been truly born again, and yes, there is truth that 
there is within the church world those who are actually not born again. So it would explain why you might see individuals who call themselves Christians who are just like living it up. But what about those who are born again who, who, who know this? We know we're dead. We know that we're wrecking it. We're believing it. Yes, I believe it. But it's not happening. You're still struggling. So this is where I want to bring up you know, and see what you guys would have to say on this. How, how can it be true? And how do we reconcile it biblically that, okay, the Bible says all these things were dead. We're dead to sin. We're alive unto God. But at the same time, knowing that it's true, that this is, this is what has happened. You know, the implication in the text is that being dead with Christ, this is speaking when Christ died 2,000 years ago, whenever the day was, that the minute we're born again, we died with him at that moment. What we were before we were a Christian is dead. It's done. It's buried. You, you said it. We're a new creation, a new creation in Christ. So you have all these things, reckon yourself dead. This is who you are. You're a new creation. The old has passed away. Everything has become new, but yet we're still struggling. How do you reconcile that? I think the key word there, Greg, is struggling, right? Uh, when you mentioned before, we're dead to our sins, but we're alive in Christ. You, you, you can't struggle if you're dead. Before we were dead in our sins, our spirit was dead. We could not choose to come to God because we wouldn't want to. We were so dead in our sins. But when we were made alive in Christ and we repented of our sin and we were redeemed by Christ, we, we were given the Holy Spirit, which checks us and tells us, hey, you need to smarten up. Stop what you're doing. That's sinful. And it, it does pain us. Our conscience is made alive to what the law is. And the Holy Spirit works with our conscience to remind us. Like I said before, like if you're struggling with sin, good. That means you're still alive. There's a fight going on. Now you shouldn't, as Paul puts it, sin more that grace may abound. But when you're sitting and contemplating your life and your faith walk and you're acknowledging that you, you are struggling with sin, that's good. There should be a fight. If you're just taking it and allowing it into your life, that's not a struggle. Mm -hmm. A struggle is, I know this is a sin, and I'm trying to break this. I'm trying to remove it from my life. That's a struggle. Mm -hmm. If you're struggling with sin, that is a good place to be. Um, I think the way it can be resolved or reconciled is that we live by faith, not by sight. So even though we see these things practically, we sin every day, but we have this identity and sometimes we like we don't see it, but that's how God sees us and we're covered by the blood. So even though practically speaking every day we sin, we have to remember that our identity is that we're no longer sinners. So yeah, it's 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 a struggle even just to remember that, but we have to remember that we live by faith, not by sight. And also it's like there's a spiritual realm. Like we see things in the natural, but like spiritually, it's like, no, but you've been, you've been redeemed. 
okay, but in my life, like I still sin. Yeah, but we're still going to sin, but God is going to sanctify us and he's changing us, but we don't see it. And then after a few months, it's like, oh, wow, like I don't like sin, uh, that specific sin anymore. Like I, I've changed in that aspect. Like you do other sins, but like that one you've graduated from kind of. So yeah, I think that's how we reconcile it. It's like we, we live by faith, not by sight. So that's our identity. Yeah. And, and this is something I want to cl- clarify. Like as we are talking about, like kind of like it, it's good that you struggle. The only way I would like, Speak to someone regarding that because it's like two ways of looking at it, right? Oh, of course, someone's going to misunderstand that statement. <laughs> oh yeah, someone's going to misunderstand. There's going to be another shirt, or you're going to have to make. So for those listening, there's a difference between those who are like, they're like, it, it, this is a constant struggle, but it really isn't a struggle. Like we're not saying that. Oh, it's good that you're sinning. No, it's never good that you're sinning. The Christian needs to get to the place where there's victory. And I think the problem is, is that for so long, there may be in in certain circles, like you don't hear holiness, you don't hear calls to repentance. It's kind of just encouragement messages and, and, and way to go, boy, go live out your best life. And or the focus could be on money, wealth, you know, there's just a bent somewhere towards error. And so sin is never really addressed and you do have these individuals who believe they're Christians, or maybe they are Christians, where sinning is okay. It's okay to sin. You're going to struggle no matter what. It's okay. That's actually, in th- there are some circles where there is a license to sin. That is the response to the fact that people struggle with it. It's a license. Look, you can't help yourself. That's it. That is dangerous and not what's taught in the Bible. I know for what you're trying to say, Ezra, is that those who do struggle and are broken over it, they're repenting. They want to be free. They hate it. And they really beat themselves up. Like, am I actually saved? Have I, have I lost my way? And it's like, well, hold on a second. The fact that you see it's, it's wrong and that you are struggling, so you, you want victory, but you, you feel like you're not attaining it, that struggle in itself is speaking to the fact that, hey, God is doing something and you want out of this. Mm-hmm. You want out. You're not going to be encouraged to keep living it. If anyone is encouraging you to sin, you need to get away. If it's a church, you get away from that church. If it's people who are encouraging you to sin, you need to get away from that because they are not going to help you. They're going to shipwreck your faith. There's just something that I would like to add. Some churches also preach that you don't have to repent, and that's not true. Um, we do have to repent even though we are forgiven by Christ, but we still have to repent, not because it's a work, but because we love God so much. And so we want to respond to his grace and his love. And we have to like show that we're broken by our sins. So that's something that's like really important too. It's part of your sanctification and you're going to be repenting anyways, if you have the Holy spirit, but I wanted to put that in there. Thank you. Well, to be fair, right? Repentance is a command, you know, uh, go and sin no more. That's what it is. And that's the reason why holiness isn't presented in church anymore. It's because salvation costs Christ everything. Holiness is going to cost you everything. And that's a beautiful thing. But people don't want to hear it. 
We talk about sin. We call it mistakes, trials, things that are difficult in your life. Oopsies. Oopsies. You know, it's not like your fly being down and someone pointing it out. This is your foot in like a bear trap or just about to step in a bear trap and people telling you step away from that. It is dangerous. It will cost you your life. Okay, so how would you counsel somebody now? Like we, like we, we could see, okay, how do we reconcile it? You know, and the fact that the Bible is telling us to get victory is giving us all these teachings on how to overcome sin. The implication behind it is you can still struggle. God is not going to tell us a whole bunch of stuff to do if there's no reason for it. Right? He's not going to give us... You read through the New Testament on how to live for God. Uh, oftentimes in, in the epistles, you'll see there's doctrine, and then, okay, now how, how do we live it out? How do we live out our faith? There's all sorts of commands not to fall away. All sorts of commands not to drift. Well, if that's not possible, why would that be there? All sorts of commands. As Christians, we need to repent. We need to walk in the light. You know, John says it. You know, if we sin, we confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, if a Christian can't sin, why would John write that? He even says, like, look, if you say you haven't sinned, you're a liar. liar yeah. and the truth. And he, who, who did he write that to? That wasn't addressed to unbelievers. That was addressed to the church. So even Paul, when you read through Romans 6, 7, and 8, you know, Romans 6 talking about what Christ has done for us, the work that is done in our lives, that sanctification process, that we are dead to sin. We're dead to our old life, but we're alive unto God. And he teaches that. But then in Romans 7, mm. notice how Romans 7, okay, obviously Romans 7 follows Romans 6. But what I mean is not just you know, numerically the numbers are going to follow. Romans 6.5. What I mean is the struggle that Paul writes about in Romans 7. Some people will interpret that as this is the struggle of an unbeliever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Hold up. Hold it. Before Trumpet Man comes back. Why would Paul need to write about the life of an unbeliever to believers? When do unbelievers, like, Yes, you will have the deep, dark despair of where sin can lead. The alcoholic. The alcoholic knows he needs to change. Yes, obviously. The drug addict knows you know, he is in that state of total despair and like, I can't get out. But for the every day and the vast majority of those who are lost, they're not walking around lamenting like they're a drug addict or alcoholic or whatever it is they're bound with. They love their sin. They don't want to give up their sin. They, they love whatever it is. They love that. You know, when Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, is that an unbeliever talking? No, this is the Christian. This is the believer who is struggling to live for God. And I find that interesting that it comes out, like where it falls in Romans, after Romans 6, in what Paul is teaching is like, okay, you can, you'll receive the truth. You know the truth now. But yet there's still that struggle, that Romans 7 lifestyle, where it's like, I don't get this. So how, whether it's in your life, or maybe something that someone has said to you, or you've heard in a sermon, or what you would say to somebody, what do you say to that person that is honestly struggling? What, what do you say to them? 
uh, regarding how to get victory. We're not talking about reconciling the passages now. How to get victory. What do you say to that person? Well, I start out by saying what I said before, right? Hey, the fact that you recognize you're in sin, you hate your sin, and you want victory, that's a good sign. Take take heart. Like, it's it's not a bad position to be in to recognize that you need victory. What I also point them to afterwards is uh, the passage where, where Peter is walking on the water to Christ, right? So for those of you who are not as uh, biblically informed, uh, there was a point where the apostles were crossing one of the lakes to get to a different town, uh, and Jesus says, hey man, I'm going to go and pray. I'll catch up with you. Don't worry about it. Uh, so they go, they're sailing away, and a huge storm comes up over the lake, and it's awful. Like, these are experienced, seasoned fishermen, and they're terrified uh, because of the storm that's taking place. And, uh, you know, waves are crashing over the boat, and over the the side of the boat, the, some of the apostles see a figure crossing and, like, walking on the water, we, of course, know that this is Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, uh, I'm coming to you. Just give me a minute. And Peter, he shouts, if that's you, Lord, call me out onto the water. And he says, come, Peter, come out and meet me. And so as Peter steps out over the side of the boat, he is, in fact, standing on the water. And he, he begins to walk towards Christ. Um, and then he gets distracted. He looks away from Christ and sees the waves and the storm, and he starts to panic and sink into the water. And uh, he, he cries out, Lord, Lord, deliver me, save me. And Jesus is there, pulls him out. And uh, I use that story because we do the exact same thing every day in our walk, metaphorically, of course, where we'll be looking around in our lives and we'll see all the negativity, we'll see our sin, we'll see the awful things happening in the world and it brings us down and we got to remember that in Christ, as you, you said before, we are dead to our sin and alive in Christ. We need to keep our eyes on Christ and know that he has promised us victory. He's promised us that if we don't find victory over sin in our life here on earth, when we go to heaven to meet him, there will be no more sin and he will have us covered with his grace. That we won't die and be lost in our sins, but Christ's grace covers us. But also, he did promise us victory. So we need to trust in him, keep our eyes fixed on him, our eyes fixed on the prize, and do what we can to stay away from sin. If you struggle, like if you have diabetes, don't sit next to the dessert cart. If there's a sin that you know you struggle with, you know you're weak in that area, stay away from it. If you're an alcoholic, a drunk, don't go to bars. Stay away from there. If you struggle with lust and sexual sin, stay away from places where you know you will be 
uh, bombarded with this. But I do encourage you Christians that are, are struggling and feeling down about your struggle with sin, know that Christ promises you victory and grace. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think um, when I used to sin and I didn't really understand grace, I was like, this is the end of it. But it's actually not when you understand that your salvation doesn't depend on your the number of times you sin or on how good you're doing in your Christian walk. And it's just such an encouragement to know that Jesus has got us covered and we're covered by his blood and that, yeah, we do fail and we suck and we keep doing things over and over again, but he's got us covered and his grace is enough. And even though we get discouraged and we we keep on doing it over and over again, if we have, like Ezra said, if we have that desire to want to change, well, that's part of our sanctification and it it proves that we that we're being sanctified. But also another thing I would say, and it kind of goes along with what Ezra was saying is um, Jesus says to to people that want to follow him, um, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So like um, Ezra was saying, it's like um, since we have that desire and since we, we realize that we want to stop sinning, well, we have to not put ourselves in situations that can be a stumbling block so we have to crucify our flesh and be like, nope, not today, Satan. Like, yeah. I'm not going to indulge in this, even though it's going to make me feel good or even though I think it's going to make, I don't know, make my life better or whatever. We have to not indulge in it and we have to resist the devil and he's going to flee from us. So I think it's really hard. It's a, it's, it's a sacrifice, but we are we are meant to be living sacrifices. So... Be encouraged. Yeah, I think when it comes to victory, especially over our struggles, you know, if I think personally, I'm always taken back to like the importance of just knowing your Bible, and knowing what God teaches about himself, um, and how he chooses to uh, teach us that um, through his word. You know, um, especially when it comes to like perseverance and the perseverance of the saints and those who are truly saved. It relies fully, not on our unstableness, but on God's faithfulness. And when that is in view, whatever it is you are struggling with is yours. You know, that's your struggle. But at the end of the day, the result, the outcome of it, is all on God's end. And I, I've struggled and continue to struggle with various things. But the reality is, the end result is God's because my salvation, that was all God. And yeah. at the end, my glorification, that's going to be all God as well. And so when the Bible says that I'm dead to sin, that means I'm dead to the fact that I was dead before and I'm now alive in Christ and only in Christ and in nothing else. And that's where we can comfort one another. That the good work that God has uh, begun in you, he will bring to fruition and will continue. Uh, or if we look in 2 Timothy 12, uh, Paul says, Which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard until the day. 
what has been entrusted to me. And so whatever God has chosen for your life, whatever struggle it is, be it emotional, relational, you know, physical, could be an illness, but it's there. The end result is in God's hands and he takes you through it. You know, as we uh, are winding down this podcast, there's something that I do want to bring up. And we talked about Romans 7. And I just want to look at something very quickly before uh, we end uh, this episode. In Romans 7, and I like how, you know, when you, when you look at your Bible, there'll be like headers. I don't know if that's the right. It'll kind of give you, tell you what you're going to be reading. And one says here, it says, the law cannot deliver from sin. And Paul, I think one of the, you know, the questions that would come up, especially for Jewish believers, well, what's the purpose of the law? And you know, Paul goes into, you know, the, the law is good, it's holy. It really defines this is righteousness, this isn't. But just having a law that in itself does not give you the power to overcome. And you'd be like, Greg, why are you bringing this up? You'll see. Paul writes in Romans 7, 8, he goes, But sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manners of concupiscence, evil desires. For without the law, sin was dead. And Paul goes in verse 9, he goes, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. That's like, well, okay, so Paul remembers this time in his life where he's walking in freedom. And then the law comes, and then it just, oh, I can't do it, and then back into sin. Paul being a Pharisee, when he would have experienced the born-again encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, at first he did not know all that he knew then to write in the New Testament that the Lord gave to him by revelation, so he thinks, okay, well, I'm a Christian now. Now I can go about living for God through the law. He couldn't. And then this whole experience of him in verse 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. And then he says, For that which I do, and the King James says, I allow, but it's I understand not, that do I not, but what I hate that I do. And that, I think, is the, call, the cry of the true believer. I am doing things I don't want to do and that which I want to do. I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to read the scriptures and I'm going to spend time in prayer. Eh, wrong. The struggle. I want to live in holiness. I want to overcome this. Wrong. The constant struggle that seems to be there. You know, and then Paul continues where he says that for then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. There it is. He's talking about sin. He's not just talking about these acts of sin that live inside of him. He's talking about the sin nature. And I've heard preachers say this, that in the Greek, it's the definite article is there. The sin, the sin that's in me. It's the sin nature. Christians are st still have it. We're not in our glorified bodies yet. We still have this sin nature in us. But what Paul was doing is he was trying to, as a young Christian, seems, it seems to imply, he's trying to live for God through the law. That cannot work. You cannot live for God through the law. Because 
there's this law within us, as he, as he goes on and says later in the chapter, for I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. He says, for I delight in the law of God after the inner man. Well, when you read commands, it's like, oh, this is good. I like this. But then it says, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, which is in my body. Then he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The problem is we still have this sin nature. And if we don't know how to properly live for God, the sin nature, as Paul says, revives. Do you remember that when you got saved and it just felt like freedom and joy unspeakable, full of glory, and it was great and it was glorious and you could just do anything for God? But then as time goes on, it's like, I just feel like I went back into a mud pit and now I can't get out. Yeah, because you need to be taught how to properly live for God. But you might be saying, well, Greg, I'm not following the Old Testament law. Right. But you know what? Anything that you put as a law, as a rule for how I live my life. I will trust in myself. I will trust in my Bible reading. I will trust in my church going. I will trust in my prayer life. We do that. We create laws out of these things. We put those things there and we go, if I do but this, I will be victorious. No, that is a law. And you can't do and live for God by these things. Yes, you do them but not to earn something with God because it's already been purchased at the cross. The answer is in the cross and our faith being in the sacrificial work that Jesus died on that cross, shed his blood and broke the power of sin and defeated Satan. And that by us being in him, by us being put to death in Christ that happens when we're born again, that is the only way that we are going to defeat sin. So how do you do it? And I know you're going to be like, oh, but Greg, that's so easy. And it's not, though, even though it sounds easy. But it's our faith in Christ and the finished work and that alone. And you say, but Greg, I, come on. No, but the thing is, is that if it is so easy, why are so many Christians struggling? Because our faith wanders. We put it in something else. We put it in other things. We put it in people, in pastors, whatever it is. That's where we put it. And that's why we're struggling. It's a faith. Someone said it here. We walk by faith. It's a faith walk. It's a war of faith. Where does Bible study come in? You read the Bible because you're in relationship with God. You pray because you're in relationship with God. That is the outflow of a Christian life. But those things do not determine your victory. Christ's death determines your victory. And I, I think the other thing we've got to remember is that the life of a Christian, as Paul puts it, is a race. He said, hey, while we're in the, the presence of so many witnesses, that being uh, the, the gallery of saints who he, he lists, people who had great faith and were uh, considered righteous because of their faith, he's like, hey, we've got such a host of witnesses, let us... Throw off the things that ensnare us, the sins that ensnare us, right? And run and keep our eyes on the prize. We have to run the race. When you run a race, you're not idle. Running a race involves work. You're not working for your salvation. 
That's not what I'm saying, and that's not what Paul was saying. What it is saying is, our life with Christ, our lives as Christians, require work. Work needs to be done. Not to be saved, but because we're saved. If we care about Christ, if we care about the, the state of our souls, if we care about our relationship with Christ, there is work that needs to be done. When you're married, there is work that needs to be done, even after you're married. It's not, okay, well, we're married, and that's, that's, that's the way it is now. No, that relationship will die if you don't work on it. It requires constant attention. It requires conversation. It requires compromise between the two people. Like, you need to, and it, it applies yeah. to friendships, it yeah. applies to dating relationships. There is work that needs to be done in the faith. It's a race. Mm. You need to train yourself. That, that requires prayer, learning how to pray properly. Uh, see one of the sermon videos posted. First one, actually. The Lord's Prayer, right? You need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to properly read and study the scriptures. You need to learn how to understand the scriptures. It's There's training involved. And then once you get going, you have to run. You have to run the race. That means you got to be focused on what your goal is and where you're going. you got to be aware of the people around you. And you have to put in effort not to be saved. I'm going to say it again in case someone missed it. None of this is to be saved. This is to properly live out your faith, or as the scripture puts it, to work out your salvation. We need to work out our salvation. It's not an idle thing. It's not an app you install on your phone. It's not a t-shirt you buy. It's not a property. It's not insurance. There is insurance, but it's not it. That's not all it is. It requires work. It requires effort. It requires your attention constantly. Um, I just wanted to say that oftentimes um, I find that, well, in this case, Romans 7 is talking about like putting your faith in yourself and in your works. And um, that's something that I tend to do. And um, I think that Paul really explains it well in verse 10 when he says, the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. So as Ezra was saying and as everyone else was saying, um, yeah, it's like if we put our faith in ourselves, we're going to fail because there's no use in doing that. Our, we've, been, we've been redeemed already. So we're like, it doesn't matter what we do. We won't be able to contribute to our salvation. There's nothing, there's no amount of law abiding or anything. And so we have to stop putting our faith in ourselves and we have to ask God for his grace so he can help us put our faith in him. Um, because otherwise we're not living out the fullness of what the gospel is supposed to be. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a battle. The faith walk is going to be a battle, and it's going to be a battle to the day we die. The sin nature is here, and if we're not careful, we're going to allow it to revive, and and it can get ugly. Don't allow it to revive. 
recognize who you are in Christ. Recognize the victory of Calvary. We all understand we're saved by faith, not by works. But then we go about through the sanctification process, and it ends up all being about us. Mm-hmm. It's all us doing it. We don't focus on the Lord. We don't rely on the Lord. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about that more as we dive deeper into this study. And, and we pray that it's been a blessing to you. And, and I would, I know this one went a bit longer. Uh, hopefully that uh, you've stuck through it or listened to it in parts. I will say this before, before I end. Um, if you are struggling, okay, and you're an honest Christian, you love the Lord, and you just feel like there's just things in your life you just can't conquer, Always remember that who, what Christ, what the Word of God says, who you are in Christ, the victory of the cross, and honestly seek the Lord to, and ask Him for help in giving you understanding of how to be victorious. Okay, because I we can't help you. We don't have the ability to reach it and take out the sin. We teach you the Word of God, but you have to take that by faith and apply it to your life. So seek the Lord. Ask Him for revelation on these passages. Ask Him for help in understanding how to apply the, the victory of the cross in your life, the power that's in the blood. Ask Him for that. And keep seeking Him. And don't give up. Don't quit. If you feel like quitting, don't quit. Just keep going. Keep in your faith walk. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. And honestly, get serious. Get serious. I think in some cases, some Christians don't really fight. Get serious in that fight. So this is Greg DeScott for the Fancy File Podcast, a Christian service podcast. By the way, I would invite you to go on to our Facebook page. Is it The Christian Service? Yes, it's The Christian Service. Excellent. Go on there. Like like it. We post these podcasts on there. Uh, and also subscribe to our, uh, Facebook, our YouTube page so you can um, receive notifications when... You know, we release content. So, I'm Greg Scott, your host and co-host. Along with me today, I had the Mighty Man. Thanks for having me. Ezra. Always a pleasure. Melanie. Bye. God bless.